Here we are. So we are recording a live episode of the Investor Lab podcast here inside the Investor Lab Facebook group, which is the epicenter. The epicenter for people who want to connect and be part of a community of like-minded people seeking to create a life of freedom, choice, and abundance. So welcome to the Investor Lab. Welcome to this episode. We're going to be doing a couple of really cool things this evening. This is being recorded at 6.30 p.m. We're going to do a couple of cool things this evening. We're going to open it up to Q&A. But first, Gabby, how are you? <laughs> I'm good, mate. How are you? Well, thank you. Well, thank you. So one question I would like to pose, which is going to frame up what we can start this conversation on, which is going to lead in to questions, opportunities for people to ask whatever they want. No holds barred. What shoes am I wearing? What's the best color paint to paint your house? Whatever you like, don't care. Before we get to that, I would like to ask a question. What do you think is the single biggest determining factor in success in any field? Might have to say resilience. 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 Mm. The single biggest determining factor to success in any field. It doesn't matter whether you're in athletics, if you're in business, if you are a property investor, it doesn't really matter. The single biggest determining factor is going to be resilience. Now, resilience is awesome. When I grow old, I want to be known as someone who was resilient. When I have my times of greatest struggle, uh, stress, and I am contemplating whether I have value in the things that I am doing, I speak to myself and I say, but Goose, you are resilient. Now, resilience mm -hmm. is the process of adapting well in the face of adversity, trauma, tragedy, threats, or significant sources of stress. And the thing is, resilience, the ability to adapt to that kind of adversity, trauma, stress, tragedy, threat is often the thing that makes you much stronger. What do you got to say to that, Gabby? Yeah, I guess it's about like not, not fighting what is real, basically. Mm. I think a lot of people come up against stressful situations or, you know, situations where they might consider it a mistake um, and then they think about, you know, all the other things they could have done differently. But really all, all there is is the truth and what there is now. So I think resilience is just kind of accepting that no matter if it's a good result, if it's a bad result. It just is. It's just, it just is. It is. But I, I, I also like to think about resilience as being the greatest compounder for growth. Okay. Because if you think about mm -hmm. it, if you think about resilience, and you can apply this on a biological level. So if you think about, for example, a human being that was kept in isolation, they were never exposed to germs or colds and flus. They never met anybody else. They never got exposed to any of that kind of stuff. Do you think that they would be very resilient? Well, no, they'd be quite no. fragile, okay? And as soon as they get exposed to any of those kind of outside stimulus, outside stresses, threats, or traumas, they will break down and die, mm -hmm. right? That's a fact. Now, this is what's happened throughout history um, as civilizations have you know, invaded one another and brought different diseases like polio and all of these kind of things around the world and it decimated populations, the flu, all of this kind of stuff. 
what you can take from that is the people that can take on those threats, significant sources of stress, trauma, stuff like that, and survive are the ones that come out stronger. They're the ones that add to the resilience of our gene pool. Now, you can say the same thing for business as well, because if you look at the um, S&P 500, the largest 500 companies in the US stock market, most of those companies, the vast majority of those companies were born in times of great financial or economic downturns, so times of stress, trauma, Hmm. tragedy, and adversity. But through that, they developed the greatest amount of resilience, resourcefulness, courage, aspiration. And I think that this idea of resilience is something that can really be brought into everyday life. And I think that the more resilient you can be, the greater amount of happiness you're going to find in your life. What do you think about that? Hmm. Which I guess is like, that's the concept behind Western immunizations, right? It's deliberately injecting yourself with a micro example of the pain that you're meant to endure and thriving because of it. And that's a really good thing as well that to touch on is, is future pacing the stress that you can, uh, or actually bringing forward any stress that you may be able to put into your situation so that you can deal with it now and you will compound the benefits later is something that's going to benefit, benefit you long-term. We're starting to just veer into sort of first, second and third order consequences there a little bit, which is probably a whole topic that we want to explore in a different podcast. But it's the same idea that the first order consequence of going to the gym is that it's going to be uncomfortable. You're going to get sweaty. You're probably going to put your body under stress and all that kind of stuff. The second order of consequence to going to the gym though is that you're going to release endorphins. You're going to feel good afterwards. You're going to uh, lose weight, get healthier, live a happier existence. Third order of consequence of that would be potentially that because you're more energetic, more confident, more alert, more aware of your environment, you might get a better job, find a better partner and have a better life. But if you just focus on the first order of consequences, like why would I want to put myself or advance the stress opportunity that I can have in my life, you may be doing yourself a disservice later. So it's that whole kind of concept Mm -hmm of short-term pain for long-term gain rather than trying to push back any kind of stress. So delayed gratification by taking on the opportunity to put yourself through the trials and tribulations now is what's going to set you up to move ahead, which Mm. you can apply directly to property investing, right? So for those property investors who maybe in their 20s didn't go out and party as much as I did (laughs) and put some money away and started investing and did all that kind of stuff and got into it earlier and delayed the gratification because they knew that making sacrifices earlier, they were going to be able to realize larger gains later. That's, that's resilience. You know, that's, Mm -hmm. that's stoicism in action. I agree. Resilience is really just about accepting your reality, even if it's less Mm -hmm. than good. Right. So we all know that in life, things don't go how we want them necessarily they go how they go life is in flow you're not in control and so the more that you can accept that and just understand that the state that you're currently in is is the state that you are in and detach your emotion from that it's not good or bad somebody hasn't done a bad thing to you there is just a situation Mm. there is a situation that you you deal with and then that's cool if you fight it you, and then if you try and fight it you're only exposing yourself to more stress than you need to which makes it harder to deal with the situations at hand that it makes it harder to find the upside in any stress inducing situation yeah which i think we see that a lot with conversations you have with 
our clients, the initial conversation is like, these are all the mistakes I've made. This is the terrible situation I'm in. And here are all the other things I could have done instead. Again, it's that dwelling on the other alternatives that could have, would have, should have happened when it's just really disempowering, I suppose, to not actively be aware of that as a negative, as a negative towards yourself and not building that empowerment through resilience. Exactly. It's all well and good to go, okay, yeah, okay, I want to be more resilient. But let's talk about sort of how and how to frame that up and, and allow people to position that in their own mind. Because if you can set yourself up mentally to reap a higher yield out of any of the challenges that you may have the opportunity to enjoy and experience in life, then you're going to set yourself up for a much better existence. So there was actually an extensive study that they did through a bunch of villages, some of the most impoverished regions of India, where people were also ostensibly the happiest, right? So it was a really interesting study where they went, okay, these people are really poor. They've got nothing, right? There's a story about one kid who outgrew his shoes, so he chopped the ends off. He chopped the ends off his shoes uh, and was so excited showing his teacher. He's like, look, look, my toes have grown through my shoes. And he was really, really pumped about it. Now, ultimately, so through a lot of these studies in these villages, what they discovered that is there was three principles that permeated through everyday life that helped those communities this is not individuals but communities societies and groups to maintain their resilient worldview and happy disposition now those three key principles that they practiced in their daily life were gratitude which is the ability to pay attention to what you have instead of worrying about what you don't have so taking joy in the present then there's empathy which is the ability to feel what another person is feeling. Because once you can apply empathy into a situation, Gabby, you're very empathetic. <laughs> you can apply empathy into a situation, you stop necessarily feeling under attack. So when somebody acts mm. in a certain way, you go, hmm, I wonder what's happening with that person and, and why they're behaving that way. And I wonder if there's any way that I can help them. Empathy yeah. is one of the greatest tools for creating a happy life, I think. Yeah, and it removes your ego as well. Killing your ego should be top of the list for anyone who wants to become resilient. And also mindfulness. So mindfulness is the ability to focus on the present moment. It's all well and good to set goals and all of that kind of stuff. I'm massive on that. Uh, massive on future pacing, understanding where you want to go, why, Socratic questioning, big, big stuff. But you've got to fall in love deeply and passionately, relentlessly, almost violently, disgustingly in love with now. And if you can do that, then you will start to feel a lot more gratitude. So I want to frame up a couple of stoic emotional resilience strategies. So stoicism is my favorite philosophy or, or <laughs> stream, of, stream of philosophical thought. Now, the reason for that is because it's very pragmatic and it is the one philosophical stream that I have found that resonates with me the most in creating structures of the mind that will allow you to overcome any obstacle and challenge in a way that befits a life of joy and happiness. Okay. So Socrates is like, he's like the original bad daddy of, of stoicism. Okay? <laughs> if you can, if you can call him that, I'm not sure if, how he'd be the, bad so, daddy. Yeah, the original bad daddy. Yeah. Uh, the OBD of, I think that's what they called him. Yeah, Socrates, yeah. the OBD. OBD. Okay. So Socrates claims that the intellect of the wise and good man is willing to follow the law of reason, which tells us it's best to be patient 
in the face of suffering. Okay. I'm going to say that again. So Socrates, one of the wisest men that's ever lived by many measures, claims that the intellect of the wise and good man is willing to follow the law of reason, which tells us it's best to be patient in the face of suffering. He adds suffering. He adds that reason, presumably also philosophy, tells us that we should not give way to impatience for the following reasons. Firstly, there's no way to be certain whether the events that befall us will turn out to be good or bad for us. Okay, so many of our greatest setbacks in life turn out for the best. I can attest to that in my life. Some of the biggest and most tremendous failures and tragedies that have ever happened to me have been the greatest turning points and the greatest stimulators for a life of excitement and adventure and abundance. Everything from shattering my spine in a motorbike accident to deaths to you know failed businesses to all kinds of stuff. And so once we understand that, we know that the events that are happening now are more than likely going to end up being good down the line. It makes it a little bit easier to stomach. You just see this as an opportunity. It's a stepping stone to greatness. We don't gain anything by taking misfortunes badly. There's nothing to be gained by falling into deep negativity about the situations around you. There is nothing to be gained except more unhappiness. Nothing that we do as humans on earth is of major importance in the grand scheme of things. What we can do is we can influence and impact the world and the environment around us. But the reality is the day-to-day happenings and stresses that happen in our life will generally not have lasting impact in the grand scheme of things. So you need to detach yourself and take a 10, 20, 30,000 foot view and go, okay, what is actually happening there and here? And this will pass too. And getting upset or grief will actually stand in the way of presenters from exercising reason, which is the very thing that would help us most when we're facing adversity. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So just to quickly sum up on those things, and then we're going to, I want to talk about three quick tactics that you can employ in your own life to start to become more resilient. Firstly, just to sum up those kind of Socratic thinking frames. So remember that external things, so stuff that are beyond our direct control, are neither good or bad in themselves. They just, they just are. Contemplating the consequences of responding rationally versus passionately will allow you to solve problems in a more pragmatic way that will befit a life of happiness and joy. And you need to take a broader view perspective on the situations that are happening in your life. And you need to also ask yourself, what virtues am I gaining from this situation? What opportunity do I have to grow and become a better person from this situation? Every time you find yourself challenged and stressed, take a moment and go, okay, what is the opportunity here? What is the opportunity to grow? What is the opportunity to get a gain out of this? We talk about this a lot, Gabby. We talk about yield. We talk about yield with properties. We talk about yield with business. We talk about yield all the time. There's been some chat in this group about um, yields and shares and all that kind of stuff. You want to extract the greatest amount of yield out of every single situation that you're in, including the ones that you find to be challenging. Remember, there is no bad. There is no bad situation. There's just a new and exciting set of opportunities and challenges to overcome. I mean, yeah, just touching on that, because we've I've got a saying basically whenever something seems to go wrong, it's like what an amazing opportunity to practice excellence. 
And it's about seeing every situation that typically might be seen as an obstacle or a challenge, but seeing it for that opportunity to grow as a person and to exercise, you know, all the skills and lessons that you've learned so far and really implement and prove that, you know, it's like a little test. When something goes wrong, it's like, great, I get to pull out all of these tools that I've had in my back pocket from all of these years and past experiences and I get to use them. What an amazing opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like a toolkit, you know, and that's getting the yield out. Okay. So a couple of tactics to building a resilient mind. And then I see there's a few questions and we're going to nail into them. They're they're good ones too. I'm really excited. If you don't already do this, then creating a list of affirmations, which might sound a bit woo-woo, but building out a list of affirmations that you can say to yourself in the mirror, in your mind, as you get ready in the day, build out a morning formula, ways that you can affirm the person you are and the person you want to be. There are many templates for that. And if anyone does want some kind of guidance on building out an an affirmation plan, I'm more than happy to assist. Just drop something in the comments. We'll, We'll do a separate one on that. Journaling. Okay. I personally suck at journaling. Okay. I suck. I suck at it massively. But the reason I suck at it is because the way that I operate as a being is like, it's like a constant journal. Okay. The reason that most people journal is so that they can extract their thoughts in a way that they can digest and understand an objective way, which ultimately leads to an opportunity to experience gratitude, okay? Because when you can see things objectively, you're like, wow, all of these amazing things have happened. For me personally, I don't need to do that. Whereas it's I just- personally, I do. I get a lot of benefit out of journaling. For that objectivity, it's, there's so many moments that you get caught in your own mind and you get really zoomed in and stuck on specific details and problems and then you write them out and you look at them objectively and you go well okay now that it's on paper it doesn't actually seem that bad or that intense mm-hmm. exactly so affirmations now in the morning great great time to do your affirmations when you are just starting your day there's a whole strategy we could talk about about building out morning formulas and all of that kind of stuff but you really want to frame up the identity of who you are and, and also who you want to become in your morning formula and that includes affirmations and self-encouragement so it's positive self-talk it'd start by calling yourself resilient in your own mind just start saying i am resilient and see what happens try that for 30 days because remember you can be as great as you want in life as long as you are prepared to pay the price okay and that price Mm -hmm. may just be a price of commitment you can literally achieve whatever you want in this world and if you think you can't then all you need to do is take a cursory glance at the people who have achieved success on their own on their own facets that have built businesses or created some kind of greatness and realize that you can do that too. Even someone like Steve Irwin was just a kid that was born in Essendon and grew up to be one of the greatest figures in modern Australian history. So if he can do that, you can do it too. You just need to be prepared to pay the price for greatness. So affirmations of encouragement, encouragement, journaling, and I would also say planning because when you can measure and manage the things that are happening in your life generally overwhelming anxiety which is probably the greatest causes of discomfort that lead to a lack of resilience come from not having control okay so the more that you Mm -hmm. can take control the more that you can dominate your own domination is a a word that a lot of people kind of get a bit freaked out by personally i want to absolutely dominate i want to dominate my, (laughs) my i want to dominate my my life I, I want to be in control 
and I want to dominate everything that happens in my life so that I can be in control of the outcomes and I want those outcomes to be great. And I think that's what gives me a high degree of resilience and also positive mental attitude. So <laughs> we're just going to start banging, bang, bang, banging through these. Right? Banging through. So Samrat says, on the topic of values and habits, what was the most empowering change you made to yourself and your life to flip your life from where it was to where it is now? Oof. Okay, so for some context, Samrat has actually <laughs> Samrat has actually known us for a few years now. We're so, completely different people to when uh, when we first met Samrat. Yeah, exactly, and that, but but also the same. You know, we're the same people, but within a different frame, within mm. a different mindset, with different outcomes, and living a very different, a much better life. Now, objectively, when um, Samrat first came into our life, we were running a business which. <laughs> let's just say was having some challenges. And so were we. Objectively now, my life was a mess. The business was a mess. Everything kind of sucked. But Samrat was a rock in amongst all that. So he, he has seen a growth and a transition. And to ask, what is the most empowering change you made to yourself in your life? I'm going to answer this. And then Gabby, I want you to answer this as well, because we're going to be very, very different. For me, I made a choice to live. I got to the point with drug and alcohol abuse where I was either going to kill myself, you know, long-term or I had to choose something else. And I chose life. I, cho- I decided in that, in the, in a moment that I was like, this is not for me. I want something more. I want something more than a business that I ha- that I hate. I want something more than unhappiness. I want something more than drowning myself with, substances to just keep me in the state that I was in that I could tolerate the life that I had I wanted more and so I made a choice I made a choice that I wanted to live a life of hope love passion and I realized that nothing I was doing at that point in my life was going to befit that so when I made that choice that was the biggest thing that was the catalyst that um, really started stimulating everything that was If we draw it all the way back, that's the catalyst that actually stimulated our journey into property. That's the catalyst that stimulated me to lose 35 kilos. That's the catalyst that that led to so many things was that that one moment, that choice. Hmm. Gabby? We're just at the bar high, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, mate. So the thing with Goose and I is we, we pretty much have the same set of values, but we're basically the opposite people. In terms of personality, I already do live. (laughs) (laughs) but i think for me the choice to become more disciplined which is relevant to the topic of resilience because goose can be testament to this but the empowerment that comes from you know like we're talking about planning what you want to do how you're going to do it mapping it out and then doing that there's so much power and confidence that comes from that. I don't always stick to it. I'm getting better, but this is the point of discipline, right? It's a muscle. You, you exercise it and it gets stronger. So I think that particularly is one for me. That's through everything. I mean, that's through, you know, committing to projects that we're working on or committing to you know, certain things that I'm trying to create for our clients. It, it comes down to certain, you know, marketing habits that I want to implement. It comes down to 
health is a big focus of ours at the moment and it's about prioritizing like okay this is when i'm gonna go to the gym this is when i'm going to go for a walk this is how much water i'm gonna drink every day this is the limited amount of coffees i'm gonna drink in a day and i'm gonna stick to that and it's 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 about you know manufacturing the situation where you can set yourself up to win basically if you set these guidelines that you know all you have to do is just do the work and you get a different perspective and suddenly it's a weird it's a weird thing that happens you you suddenly can think clearer and goose is laughing because i'm this is a real thing that i'm really working on <laughs> but you you think clearer you are more creative you are more empathetic if that's even possible for me you know you're a better communicator everything is just better in a way that you can't really anticipate from just developing a muscle of discipline so particularly for me samra in the last two three years instead of just like floating around reacting to the world and the problems as they're happening being a bit more considerate and organized in the way that I live my life. So I would say discipline. Awesome. Control, discipline. That's great. Mm -hmm. Now, Thanks, Tam, your question is what is your interpretation of end game slash exit strategies for your property investment journey? Is it to eventually retire the debt on certain properties which provides you with the cash flow you desire for passive income? Example, if you have four properties debt-free, which provides you with 100K passive income before tax, no, that's not it. So I will tell you about my end game. Everyone's different. I'm, gonna try, and I'm not going to try and tell you what your end game is. So for context as well, what we are, I always say we, but Gabby, the genius that is Gabby, she's working on building up a planner, a tool that is going to allow us to, to help you map out where you are now to where you want to be with your property goals. But... For me personally, the way that I see it is I wouldn't want to sell down, okay? For me personally, let's just say rather than selling down and having four properties debt-free, I would still rather have 10 properties at, for example, 70% LBR, which give me the same amount of passive income but have a broader growing wealth base. Now, you might wonder, well, why would you want to stay in debt? But the reason that I would be happy to stay in debt is because if the portfolio is strong and resilient and if there is enough cash flow that is coming from it, what I'm going to be gaining by accumulating a broader wealth base is more wealth over time. So my motivation for wanting to build a very large amount of wealth rather than a pocket of wealth. So for me personally, it's not about creating a small pocket. It's not about going, I want to retire at 40 and have a passive income and so I can sit on the beach in Bali. Woohoo, sounds good. What I want to do is create a global impact. What I want to do is create as much wealth as possible. I want all of it so that I can push it into areas that I think will benefit the community and society. So to that degree, the broader the wealth base that I can create and the less that I try and liquidate it and the more that I can control my emotions, this comes back to resilience because the reason you would probably sell it down is like, I just not comfortable having debt and I just don't want, and Hey, it's cool. It's up to you. Right. I'm talking about me, me. I'm like, I understand my appetite from risk. I want to make the greatest amount of gains and returns. I want to build a big portfolio so that I can have the greatest impact and ultimately create intergenerational wealth. So that's for me. Now for other people, the way that you can do that is like you've pointed out, Tam, you can sell down, 
and pay down your debts and live off the income. Those properties are still going to go up in value. You've still got a wealth base. Awesome. Fantastic. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. What it comes down to is individual risk profile. What you want to be aiming to do with your portfolio though, is you want to be buying properties that you never have to sell. Because the way that I see it is if you buy properties that you are like, okay, I'll buy it and I'll, I'll sell it in 10 years, you're buying the wrong property. Possibly, possibly. Now, there may be opportunities where you see um, that it does make sense to sell in your portfolio. You may go, okay, you know what? It's going to capitalize on this right now, liquidate out of that market, invest in some other types of assets, want to bolster in a different way. One example of that might be, for example, if you bought a property and it went up, uh, let's say doubled in value in 10 years, and then you went, okay, what I want to do now is I want to, I built a, I built a big residential portfolio. I want to sell down that asset, capitalize on the gain. I want to invest in commercial and diversify. You don't have to do that because you can diversify using equity and the cash flow that's in your portfolio if you, put, if you built and structured it correctly. However, there's an opportunity to do, to do many things. So me personally, hold forever. Uh, you personally, it's up to you. I hope that helps. <laughs> I think with that, it's like, it's, it's, as you said, like the end game is different for everyone. So it's, for me, it comes back to that perspective. Like you, it's a very good idea to map out a strategy based on where you are today. So I have X value portfolio. Um, I want to achieve X amount of passive income by X time and mapping that out. But you could also get two years in and completely change your mind because you're in that position and you can see things from a different perspective. So I think it also comes back to the idea of yield. When you get to that perspective, you go, okay, what chips have I got on the table now? What can I do that's going to get the most yield? It's fantastic. Okay, Luke Hughes, how do you create a multi-property portfolio, five plus or more, all in your own name or in a trust or other way? I would recommend speaking to an accountant, someone like Samrat Sharma, who's an amazing accountant, will be able to give you some advice on that. From a personal perspective, I don't see the value in creating trusts and corporate structures until you get over about four. Okay. So if you were to say mm -hmm. five plus, I would say, yes, it's probably worthwhile creating those structures. Why not less? Just the cost and time involved. And that's a personal thing. Some people want to start as they mean to go on and create trust straight away, create company structures straight away. It will affect your borrowing capacity and your lending criteria because you're going to be borrowing in a corporate entity. So you need to take that into consideration. Now we're not, able to give you financial advice so what i can say is that for me personally i would just buy in i would buy four and then start to go okay how do i how do i start to build this as as an independent business i hope that helps gabby anything on that yeah i think it's just a lot of people don't consider the holding costs of those kind of structures you do hear a lot of mixed advice of like as soon as you get in you know set it up in this way but they don't always cover the, the ongoing yearly expenses of those kind of structures and the bookkeeping and the accounting. And the other big thing that I think that people miss with that is the, um, is the lending implications because it's mm. just not, it's just not as simple. You've got to apply for loans in a different way. And for most people, when they're just starting out and trying to build that base, it's not the kind of uh, friction that you need when you're trying to build that um, breadth in your portfolio. From my perspective, you want to create as much speed and liquidity as you can until you get to a point where you can stabilize and it becomes worthwhile to go, okay, how do I diversify the way I'm approaching this strategy? Cool. Andrew, who did you guys look to to firstly mentor you? How did you get into this field and learn what you know now? We actually did an entire podcast on that this morning. So I don't want to touch on that 
to March. That'll be coming out in a couple of weeks, um, just before this one, actually. So if you're listening to this, it's the previous episode. Let, let me just sum this up really, really fast. We made every mistake that we could as fast as we could with as much money as we could muster so that we could feel the full impact of um, weight of the uh, opportunity to learn from these decisions (laughs) uh, as we could in the fastest possible time, which gave us a very good grounding and a lot of different principles and the perspectives to understand how to help people. Okay. To put that in layman's terms, we had no idea what we were doing. We invested in almost every course, spruker, guide, anything that you could find. Anyone who wanted to take our money and tell us that they could you know, help us with property, we gave them money, we wasted it all, we blew it all, we got ripped off, we got spruked too, we did everything wrong and from that came an immense amount of learning and, and, also, and also ultimately the drive to, to help people. Okay, because experiencing what we went through it gave us a very good grounding in so much. We went deep into you know, principles, philosophies, strategies, tactics in so many different ways with so many different mentors. The overriding thing is even with the people that were ripping us off, there was some fundamental principles that were good in amongst all that. So we took a lot of learning out of it. We lost a lot of money. Would I change it? Absolutely not. Because what we got was probably the fastest education in property that most people have ever done. And we very quickly realized that from that, we had the opportunity to be able to share and guide other people to success and help them avoid failure and help avoid making mistakes like we made. Because ultimately, mm. that's what we're here for. I think a lot of people, you know, a lot of probably people in this group seek, you know, a lot of outside sources and mentors and, you know, read different websites, read newspapers, read whatever, listen to podcasts, all of that, trying to build up their knowledge base. So for me personally, I, I grew up, my mum was very interested in property and she went to all the seminars. So I went to all the seminars when I was a kid, absorbing it subconsciously while I was thinking about, you know, getting KFC for dinner or whatever I was thinking about. Yeah, so I've grown up kind of learning all of this stuff, but you don't really learn until you start to implement it, until you start to test at the risk of failing or making a mistake, you don't really learn until that point. You can have all of this knowledge, you can have all of these tools in the back of your head and in that toolkit, but until you put yourself in a position where you have to test yourself and have that opportunity to prove that you've even taken anything on board, I don't think you're really learning. Okay, next question. Peter John Atkins. So you are wanting to retire from your J-O-B and be a full-time investor by 45. Nice. Drop us in the comments. How old are you at the moment, Peter? And how close are you to that goal? And what challenges are you facing? Let's try and tackle that. So drop us in the comments. Let us know. Mindset is absolutely key, Peter, as well. Mindset is the key to it all. Now, a lot of people think that mindset is just the bastion of the woo-woos and the people that want to sit in crop circles and stuff like that. The reality is without mindset, you've got nothing. You know, without mindset, you will not succeed. It's not a maybe. It's not even a. It's not a. It's not a question. It's the fundamental first step in creating any pathway to success, and you have to really dial that in. So a lot of people think there's stuff like setting goals or, you know, discovering your soul's mission and stuff like that. You know, it's just woo-woo crap, and you just need to just get stuck into it. I can tell you from experience. Personally, and I can tell you from experience dealing with other people who've thought that way, it's not a happy way to live a life. 
And it's also not a successful way. So if you want to have live a life of freedom, success, joy, abundance, happiness, and prosperity, it's not the way uh, to go about it. Peter, 41 and not close, stuck on two properties. Come on, mate. Come on, mate. We're going to get you off that benchmark. We're going to get you moving forward. Let's have another chat. Let's have another chat. Reach out and let's see if we can't get you moving somehow, some way. Get, you, get something sorted for you. See if we can, can connect you with someone who can get you out unstuck from where you are if we can't. Tam, any particular reason for moving to Sydney? Beach. <laughs> Beach. Okay, so we were living in Geelong. We were in, an, in a property that we bought as an investment. Um, we were using it as a living investment at the time, um, doing some renovations. It's subdividable, which we haven't subdivided yet. It's pretty cool. Great purchase, by the way. But that's not the, that's not the story. What was happening is we were traveling to Sydney to um, guest appear on things like Smart Property Investment Show, stuff like that. And every time we came to Sydney, we just felt this rush, you know, this energy. And we we're just like so positive and motivated and clear. And we we're just like, wow. Now, the first time we just thought, oh, it's because we got out of the house and hired a hotel and went for a swim at the beach. It was pretty good. Second time we were like, wow, this is, this is phenomenal. Everything's happened again. We feel so good. It was like an amazing difference, like a frequency shift. And then the third time we actually stayed in Bondi. We actually stayed in an apartment in Bondi with 270 degree ocean views, short walk to the beach. And we were at, we'd been in the back streets of Geelong. And we were pumped. We were buzzing and we were on top of the world. And we were like, wow, we, this is it. This is the be all and end all. And we fell in love with the place. I'm a, I'm a hothouse flower. I don't deal with the cold. So the better climate really suited me. Being close to the ocean, the beach. Just to unpack that for a second, everyone's got to have a vision of success. Everyone needs to have a vision of where they want to be and who they want to become and what that looks like and what that feels like. Now, for some people, that's going to be like, yeah, I want like a red Ferrari and I want like, I want a, a 10 story mansion and, uh, you know, I want a jet. Now, I've had all that kind of stuff floating around in my head too, especially the jet. What it, when we actually really, really distilled it down, for me personally, I was at my vision of success. My vision of success is not needing a car. I want to be so happy with my life that I don't need a car. I don't need to go anywhere because everything, all the abundance in my life comes to me. And I want to be able to walk to the beach. I want to be walking distance to a beautiful beach and I don't want to have to have a car. If I do, ha if I do have to have a car, I want it to be a bloody nice one, but I don't want to have to have a car. Right? So it removes that kind of, that piece out of it. And I don't want to have to wear shoes. And I thought, you know what? If I can craft a life of freedom, choice and abundance, prosperity, where I can help other people to do the same thing that they want and achieve their version of success in their life, and I don't need to have a car or shoes and I can go to the beach every day. Brother, that's living. And we have actually just got that. So that was kind of the big reason. We just went, well, what are we doing? Like we can actually just go have that right now. <laughs> so we did. It was in the space of two weeks. We were here and then two weeks, we were here staying in Bondi and two weeks later, we'd packed up, sold everything, rented out the place, the investment property we had in Geelong and moved to Sydney. So it was that simple. Luke, as a property in investor what team do you need well obviously a buyer's agent if you're watching this or listening to this and you don't know what we do we're a full service investor focused buyer's agency we help people to find and acquire properties in line with their goals to achieve the outcomes they want and create a better life for themselves and their families and the community around them using cash flow positive properties in high growth areas with value add potential so luke of course let's chat aside from that 
um, you should have a good mortgage broker. You should also yeah. have a good conveyancer. However, the good conveyancer piece is really going to come down to what state you're investing in. So it's easier to build a permanent team, shall we say, with a buyer's agent and a mortgage broker, an accountant and stuff like that to help give you that advice. Conveyance is going to be situation specific. So if you are only buying in New South Wales, yes, build a good relationship with your conveyancer, but it's a little bit more situational. So I'd probably say down to those three, solid buyer's agent who can help you with the property strategy and, and have your best interests at heart, a good mortgage broker who's going to understand where you're trying to get to and understand the full gamut of financial implications of your journey so they don't stuff you up at the start and so that you, they know that, you're going to, that you, they're going to be with you for the long haul to help you get, where you get to where you want to go. And a good accountant who's going to help you understand how to structure things, how to get everything you can out of all you've got in terms of tax, all of that kind of stuff. Obviously, a depreciation expert like Mike from MCG, Quantity Surveyors, he's the best in the field. You know, you want to build these kind of people, but I would say it boils down to three. Mortgage broker, accountant, buyer's agent. It's my opinion. Gabby? Yeah, can we just touch on that, the mortgage broker piece just quickly? I end up getting surprised when people still don't want to use a mortgage broker, particularly when you're early on um, and you have questions, like everyone has specific questions about serviceability and borrowing capacity, yet they're trying to manage banks themselves and manage those conversations and think that they're getting the best rates and the best and the fastest service. And it's just not how it works. Like we're all about, you know, engaging professionals who can get you the better result and the better service for the result that you need. But they'll also like, they sit down with you and they work out what you can do. So it's not like going to a bank when you're like, I, I want your product this is what I got. <laughs> it's going to a, a consultant. Mortgage records are essentially consultants where they're like, okay, this is your goals. This is where you're trying to get to. These are the options that we can look at. They open up so many different options that I don't think people realize. So I think, yeah, we, we always mention mortgage brokers like it's a dumb thing, but I think there's still a lot of people that don't that don't really think that they're a necessary part. They're 100% necessary in my opinion. Invaluable, invaluable. Yeah. Okay, last question from Andrew. Will you guys be offering coaching course slash services for beginners? Yes, we are. Yeah, we absolutely are. We are absolutely passionate about uh, being able to cater to people at every stage of their journey. So what we are doing right now is offering our full service buyer's agency service. And we are focusing on servicing our clients really well and creating the best possible outcomes and successes for them. What we are planning to do this year is to add a course or a coaching service or a combination of a course and a coaching service for people who the done for you opportunity, which is you know the buyer's agency service, we'll go do the whole thing for you. For the people that that's not suitable for, or the people that just want to learn as they go, we are planning to do that later in the year. It's not something we're actively working on right now um, because we're staying focused on what we're doing. You know, it takes time and energy to do what we do. But we definitely absolutely want to be able to support and nurture and educate and guide and help as many people to achieve their goals as possible. Because our, our ultimate goal is to, is to have huge impacts. So... The more ways we can do that, the better. I've got a book coming out in a couple of months. You know, these, these things take time. Takes time. Um, so there's a book coming out in a couple of months, which I hope is going to help educate people, guide people, uh, inspire people, 
you know, and that's, that's a stepping stone towards that. But yeah, we absolutely want to build that out. And I hope that it's going to help people as well. All right. Well, guys, thanks for joining us live in the Investor Lab Facebook group. If you're listening to this podcast and you are not part of the Investor Lab Facebook group, join it. What it's are you gr- doing? What are you doing? It's a great <laughs> gang of people who are all seeking to create a life of freedom, choice, and abundance. And it's a great community of people asking lots of questions and providing great support, insight, guidance. And it's a really great community. And you can join that group by going to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the Investor Lab. Uh, alternatively, if you have any questions or you want to reach out to us directly, then you can reach out via hello, H-E-L-L-O, at dashdoc.com.au. Hit us up. We are happy to provide any kind of guidance, advice, and support that you need on your property journey. And if we can't help you, we will absolutely, in every single case, steer you to the best person that we know who can. So if there's anything you need, feel free to reach out. Join us in the group, and we'll see you on the inside. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye.